On behalf of the family, I want to thank you all for being here today. Um, it is a great um, way in which the Methodist Church works together, um, even some previously people known as Methodists. Um, and I'm super glad that you're all here. Um, I'm thankful to um, Hope Gateway for their gracious hospitality, uh, for your tech folks, for the kitchen. Um, we will have a reception afterwards, um, so I hope everybody can stay. Um, thankful to um, Peaks Island Choir, the New Bracket Church. It's wonderful to have you with us in such a, a celebration of something that Ruth loved so much. Um, and we are here together. Um, and I invite you just uh, to take this moment um, to come fully into this time and place uh, to let go of what has been and what will be in order to be here now together uh, as we receive the gift of our prelude. now these words, uh, selections from Psalm 110, uh, Nan Merrill's uh, translation. The beloved says to all who will hear, come, walk with me. Let us give birth to a new earth, for the Spirit is the one who makes all things new. The Spirit ever awaits our yes to the dance. You, O oh divine breath, dwell within our hearts. With strong love, you ease our fears. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. Friends, it is my honor today to be able to share with you as we remember and celebrate the life of the Reverend Ruth Williamson. Mother, grandmother, aunt, pastor, friend, beloved child of God. We come today together in grief, acknowledging our human loss. May God grant us grace that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow hope, and in death resurrection. 
One thing uh, that Ruth really loved was music. And so we're going to have a lot of music. She was insistent that we be joyful. And so I'm going to encourage you to sing with gusto as uh, our forebears encouraged us. Uh, our opening song is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. If you're comfortable, you can stand. you to join with me now in our opening prayer and may we pray together almighty god in your keeping there is shelter from the storm and in your mercy there is comfort for the sorrows of life we praise you for those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you especially we praise you for ruth and for all that she has given us to make us what we are. Lighten our darkness with your love. Help us to know that your care enfolds all your people, that you are our refuge and strength, and that underneath it all are your everlasting arms, 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, today's two, two of today's scripture readings um, will be shared for us by, with Ryan Robinson, right? <laughs> Didn't write your last name down. Ryan Robinson, who is uh, Ruth's son-in-law. Eternal one, remember who created you, O Jacob? Who shaped you, O Israel? See, you have nothing to fear. I who made you will take you back. I have chosen you, named you as my own. When you face stormy seas, I will be there with you. I will be there with, I will be there with you with endurance and calm. You will not be engulfed in raging rivers. If it seems like you're walking through fire with flames licking at your limbs, keep going. You won't be burned. Because I, the eternal one, am your God. I am the Holy One of Israel, and I will save you. And the next scripture is from John 1, 4, verses 7 and 19. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and for those who abide in love, abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he loved, he first loved us. Thank you. 
After a long career, um, Ruth was able to fulfill one of her lifelong dreams of retiring by the seaside, um, where she built a home on Peaks Island and lived for many years and was very involved with uh, the Brackett Memorial Church at that time, now New Brackett Church, uh, and just loved the choir. And so it is a great joy that you are here uh, to share some wonderful moving words of music with us today. Thank you. And now I want to invite Amanda Watson uh, to come forward and share a poem of love by Henry Van Dyke. I am standing upon the seashore. A ship at my side spreads her white sails to the morning breeze and starts for the blue ocean. She is an object of beauty and strength. I stand and watch her until at length she hangs like a speck of white cloud just where the sea and sky come to mingle with each other. 
Then someone at my side says, there, she's gone. Gone where? Gone from my sight, that is all. She is just as large in mast and hull and spar as she was when she left my side. And she is just as able to bear the load of living freight to her destined port. Her diminished size is in me, not in her. And just at the moment when someone at my side says, there, she is gone, there are other eyes watching her coming and other voices ready to take up the glad shout, here she comes, and that is dying. Thank you, Amanda. And Jessica Kane will come forward and share uh, family remembrances from Ruth's grandchildren. So we have put together some of our favorite memories of our grandmother. Tanner wanted to share that Gigi, Eliza, and I went to Scott's place. We all got hot dogs and went back to the car to eat them. Gigi's hot dog slipped out of the bun and fell into the crack between the seats. Gigi didn't want to get a new hot dog, so she told Eliza to find a stick. She used it to poke the hot dog and get it out of the crack. She put it back in the bun and ate it, and we all enjoyed our hot dogs together. <laughs> Eliza wanted to share that my favorite memory of Gigi was on Halloween when I was seven or eight. She had been staying with us, but had to leave before we went trick-or-treating. We had just moved to Maine, and our neighborhood didn't have a lot of kids, so people didn't really go house to house like we did in New York. So that night, Gigi got all dressed up in a witch costume, and Tanner and I ran door to door to trick or treat at every door in our house. <laughs> Gigi stood at each door to give us candy so that she could trick or treat with us before she left. She was always fun like that. No matter the situation, she always knew how to have fun. Riley wanted to share that I will never forget the love she brought into everyone's life and how special my time was with her, taking trips out to Peaks Island. Bryant said, Grammy Ruth always knew the current fashion for men my age. Every Christmas, I'd get the best addition to my wardrobe from her. To this day, I can't put on a nice shirt without thinking this is something Grammy Ruth would pick out for me. Aaron wanted to share that my favorite memory was when I had my own week or weekend, it felt like a week, with her on Peaks Island. She would take me to the beach and we would collect seashell glass. I remember we cooked dinner together and she bought cream-filled corn, uh, corns for dinner, uh, dessert, excuse me. They are one of my favorite desserts to this day and I always have that memory and think of her when I eat them. Haley and Henry. One of the first times she saw Henry in person was Halloween. She got to see him in his bat costume. When Henry was sitting on her lap, he noticed her chair controls right away and almost took Grammy Ruth for a spin. <laughs> Mary Ruth said that when we were little, we went to Cape Cod with great Grammy and she took us ice skating for the very first time. And William loved when we went to visit Great Grammy at our new home in Portland, and the whole family was together for the first time since we moved to Arizona. Ian shared that our wedding day, when she performed the ceremony 
and dropped my wedding ring and we had to go and look for it. <laughs> and Amanda wanted to share that when she was six or seven, Grammy helped, her, helped me write my first book, The Deer, The Girl, and The Grandmother. It was about the time we saw, saw deer in her yard on Peaks Island and found where they had been sleeping in the grass. From that moment, I was hooked on writing. There was never a day that Grammy didn't encourage me to follow my passion. Whenever I, I'm asked how or why I started writing, this is the memory that comes to mind. This is the moment I can pinpoint where the, this obsession started. And it's thanks to one of the greatest women I've ever known, my grandmother. Now me. <laughs> I've had too many adventures with my grandmother to have just one favorite memory. Unlike the other grandkids, I've had 45 years worth of memories. We had many adventures together. I spent most of my school vacations with my grandmother doing anything and everything under the sun. I especially loved our time in Groveton and the very treasured Peaks Island, where we spent hours exploring the island and coming back with a full tale of creatures that we found in the tidal pools. She brought me to my first Red Sox game where my love and passion for the team just grew. As I got older and she was back at Wesley Church, we even served communion together, which I took such pride in. I enjoyed being part of her services. Even more dear to my heart is when I found my special someone, she performed our wedding ceremony, which was one of my most cherished moments. She even came down to my house to keep me in line when I was put on bed rest during my pregnancy. My mom and mother-in-law knew me all too well and sent her down knowing I would have to listen to her. <laughs> Anytime I got out of my chair, she would say, oh, darling, you need to stay there, sit down in the nicest, most stern voice. When Mary Ruth and William finally arrived, she came and spent the time with us as I figured out how to be a new mom of two. She always had great advice. Every moment I had with her was special. There will never be just one favorite memory. She was our family's rock and she will be deeply missed. Thank you so much. It's so powerful to see, um, to hear those stories, but to realize that Ruth was the same person wherever she was. I mean, the stories that you were telling were reminiscent of some of my memories in a totally different context. So thank you, all of you for sharing them. Uh, now I wanna introduce uh, the Reverend Arlene Tully, uh, representative from the New England Annual Conference. Uh, she's the Many, Many Waters uh, District Superintendent. Good afternoon, siblings in Christ. I bring you greetings on behalf of New England Annual Conference's Episcopal leader, Bishop Sudarshana Devadar. He asked me to share this letter with you. To the family and friends of Ruth Kale Williamson, Greetings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I offer my deepest sympathies to Ruth's children, Rebecca, Skip, and Claudia, as well as the extended family and friends of my sister in Christ. The United Methodist Church was blessed and honored by her ministry and witness for Christ, and we join you in your sorrow and grief. Ruth followed God's leading in her life with each step along the way to ordination and fulfilling her lifelong dream of being a missionary. She began her ministry as a Christian education director, 
but soon thereafter heard God's call to elder. She was ordained in 1984 and served the communities of Warren, East Haverhill, Merrimack Port, Roverton, Stark, Stratford, and Concord before retiring in 1995. Ruth had a passion for the gospel and a love for all of God's people. She most certainly touched the lives of many as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Years from now, her ministry and her witness will continue to be evident in those lives. No one understands the impact of Ruth's life more fully than her beloved family. May Christ comfort you in your grief while inspiring you in the same spirit that filled her so abundantly. In Christ's love, Bishop Sudarshana Devadar. It is the tradition among the Fellowship of United Methodist Clergy to sing Blessed Be the Tie That Binds at the memorial service of one of our uh, beloved members of the covenant. And so I would invite at this time any of the clergy who are present to come forward so that we might sing a verse of that hymn. Sure there were some people singing on zoom too hopefully they muted themselves zoom is never a good place to sing in corporately <laughs> our gospel lesson uh, this afternoon comes from john's gospel uh, and it is at a time when jesus is preparing his disciples for his death um, for what life will be like when his physical presence is no longer with them and jesus says do not let your hearts be troubled Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have taught you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. As we gather here to remember Ruth's life, I wanna tell you that Ruth and I arrived at Wesley Church just about the same time. She as the Christian Education Director in July of 1969, me as a baby with a twin sister and a mother who now had five children and needed a lot of pastoral counseling. <laughs> 
My mom and Ruth were very good friends and they worked together in the Christian education uh, in many ways. And I remember um, time spent in my growing up years, and I'm sure you guys remember this, right? All the times you get to hang around the church because your parents never leave. <laughs> But I remember the conversations that we would they would have. Well, not that I was really listening to what they said. Um, I didn't actually start listening to my mother until I was in my 20s. <laughs> but they would always be chatting and planning and, um, you know, sort of uh, taking some time to be together. And it was interesting to me that one of the members of my church now was also there and active in the Sunday school, uh, Ann Lowry. And she said to me that Ruth was the person who convinced her that she could teach Sunday school. And one of the things that she found was that Ruth was always so encouraging. And it was amazing to her how encouraging she was to all of the children. And that somehow she just managed um, with her gentle nature, but somehow there was a rod of steel underneath it that kept everyone in line. <laughs> now, Ruth had many adventures uh, all throughout her life. She um, went back to seminary uh, to become ordained elder uh, in my growing up years, uh, but she came back to Wesley and she retired the very same year that I was ordained uh, a deacon. In fact, she was the one who put my stole um, around me. And I, when I left my house this morning, I said, I'm gonna bring that stole with me. And I didn't, so <laughs> thank you, Ruth. One of the things that I remember most um, about Ruth um, in, from that moment was her calm presence standing next to me as I was so nervous about this next big step I was taking. Um, and like many wonderful and challenging things we take on, we don't really know what it's going to be like until we actually begin to do it. Um, but she's always been an encouraging, friendly presence. She always wanted to know how I was doing. And I could be really honest with her. Sometimes people ask you how you're doing and they really just want to know that everything's fine, regardless of what's happening. But Ruth always wanted to know the truth. And she always seemed to have just the right word to say to me, one, two words, um, a hand squeeze, a hug, or her smile, right? Everybody remembers that smile she had. She was just such a huggable person. Now, <clears throat> I remember also Ruth from Wanakee. Um, I grew up going to Wanakee, which is the Methodist camp uh, in New Hampshire. And uh, Ruth was a counselor. Um, and I remember vividly one senior high week that she'll live in infamy, I think, in the history of Wanakee. Uh, and um, I was reminded of it because I don't remember whether it was Becky or Claudia, but one of them said, well, you know, they even called her Rainbow Ruth, right? Which was, of course, due to the fact of her witnessing to the inclusion of all people wearing the rainbow colors and her inclusion of all people, all the kids, she was whatever. But I remembered the other name we called her that week, which was Rambo Ruth. <laughs> because there were some people who were out of line, of course, not me. And um, she brought them to accountability uh, in a way that I think no one, in it's sort of understated and yet powerful way, just made such a difference. Uh, Ruth grew up in the Portland area and she was very close with her sisters, Winnie and Barbara. 
Uh, and she, her family has always been very important to her, her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids, her extended family, nieces and nephews, and her chosen family, um, the friends, the communities, the churches, uh, the ways in which she made a difference in people's lives um, in ways that probably all of us will never even know. One of the things that um, she also liked to do was um, travel. She traveled in a variety of ways. She traveled to Alaska with a friend and the dog in a camper on a pickup truck. She was adventurous. They traveled across Canada and when they reached their destination, they um, volunteered for Habitat for Humanity. She had strong values and beliefs, and she participated in protests from Bangor, Maine to Washington, DC. And she took training on how to protest peacefully. Uh, and she witnessed to that in the way that she stood up for what was right without um, uh, giving in to the hate that maybe she faced. A witness for, um, that inspired me. She also was very involved in missionary work. Uh, she fulfilled her lifelong dream to become a missionary when she traveled to Nicaragua to volunteer with La Iglesia de Cristo, which was the Methodist Conference Covenant Relationship in Nicaragua. The Concord Monitor interviewed her uh, about her trip there in 1990. And one of the things they asked her after talking with her for about an hour was how was this incredible trip going to translate to her ministry uh, at Wesley Church because she was then the associate pastor there. And she took a little bit of time to think about it, but she shared these words which were quoted in the paper. It was exciting to see these women who had nothing. They were scrubbing clothes on their soap so stones, scrubbing them white, hanging them out to dry. They knew that they were going to eat beans and rice and that the next meal would be beans and rice and the one after that. They knew they had to get up at five or six o'clock and work hard all day and take care of their children just to see how strong they were how excited they were about the future and the fact that they could actually have some control over their lives and they did have some power and that this power for them came from Jesus Christ. Indeed, Ruth was most impressed by their faith and their willingness as an example, calling for responsibility with one another that is intertwined with social and political activism. The social consciousness itself was a very part of what it meant to be a faithful person. This, along with the complete unselfishness she saw in the people that she met there were qualities that she said she'd like to impress upon the adults and children of her parish. And she said, and this is another quote, so many of us are caught up in the value of the things that we have. Their lives are not cluttered with things to protect. I'd like to help our children see that we can live with a lot less and that materialism can be crippling. And she was struck by the integration of religion and social uh, values in Nicaragua. She said, I have always felt that way. It makes me angry when someone says, you're getting too political. This is my religion. She said, this is who I am.
And she was the kind of person that when you met her, she was who she said she was. Wherever she was, at home, uh, at the church, out in the world when she was working. And, and she, she was um, not someone who always had it easy. Um, as she says in her own words, I want to share with you a, um, she had written something um, for uh, some, she had written something about her own um, faith story, faith journey. When I was a child, I decided I would be a missionary, influenced by the stories heard in Sunday school. I was convinced that that was what God wanted me to do with my life. I would go to India, Africa, or China and help people. One day, when I was looking at Life magazine, I saw pictures of people in the ghettos of New York City, and I decided I could be a missionary there. The people looked hungry and dirty, and I would bring them food and soap. As I look back, I do believe that God was speaking to me then. Somewhere between playing missionary with my dolls in high school, I realized I would need a college education to become a missionary. And my parents were happy that their four girls were graduated from high school and so college was never discussed. And I quietly put my dream away without ever sharing it with anyone. And life went on. Then at 34 years of age, I found myself divorced with three small children, ages three, six, and eight. Uh, and just to pause here, one of her daughters said, she was a great parent who brought the three of us up really by herself. How did she do that? She was going to school, as she'll share. She was uh, working, and she, yet she was always there for us, even with everything. And she listened to every crazy story. She was encouraging of what we wanted to do. And it was amazing that somehow she managed to be sure that her beloved children were so well taken care of, despite all the ways she was drawn. So while struggling to understand what it meant to be a single parent, Ruth continued in her writing, a minister suggested that I could be anything I wanted to be. Ministers, be careful of what you say. <laughs> I only had to decide what it was and then do it. And so I knew just what it was. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a director of Christian education. I felt that if children right from the cradle had a positive experience in the church, that they would not drop out. And if they did, they would return as adults. And so to jump ahead five years, I'm sure a lot of work. <laughs> I graduated uh, with a BCE and found a position as the director of Christian education at Wesley Church in uh, Concord. After seven years of rewarding ministry, I began to feel restless. I prayed for guidance in making decisions about the future. And then the DS asked me if I'd be willing to serve two small churches. These country churches, I felt that God had heard my prayer. I've always felt that when God thought I was ready, God pushed me along to the next thing planned for my life. God got sick of calling because I never seemed to hear. <laughs> well, Ruth went on to um, earn her Bachelor of Science and a Master of Divinity while serving her churches. Uh, she served as a local pastor, then a deacon, and finally an elder. 
And she says, my experience of entering the ministry was different than that of a young woman just out of seminary, which she told me many times. <laughs> I went straight through from seminary. <clears throat> um, during, uh, because she was um, a director of Christian education, she said, no one's threatened by the director of Christian education. And she'd gotten to know everybody in that way, she said. Uh, through the many conference boards and committees, and she spent time every summer at Wanakee. Consequently, she knew most of the clergy and she was accepted as a friend before she even moved forward in the process. And they were very supportive of me as were my family and friends. When I first started seminary, I received some low grades and the Dean called me into his office to suggest I should drop out. I said, do I have to leave? He became angry and he said that I didn't have to. He was just suggesting what he thought might be best for, my, for me and my children. But I stayed. I do not recall any other opposition to my uh, study or to my ministry. Oh, oh, I'm missing page nine. There we are. <clears throat> In two charges, I followed women, making it easier. After leaving one charge, I received a phone call with a message. We just wanted you to know that we prefer women ministers. They work harder. <laughs> Before I arrived at one church, a relative in the pa parish that I was leaving wrote to say that they would miss me and that I had been a good pastor. Thank God for cousins. The person told me, who told me this confided that she had already made up her mind not to accept me because I was a woman. But after reading her cousin's letter, she decided to give me one chance. Perhaps because I came to ministry later in life, or perhaps I came as a layperson first, I do not have a lot of stories about obstacles, although she just gave us several. It was difficult bringing up children, going to school, paying for my education and theirs, dividing my time between family and parish, but I feel richly blessed with a gift of it all. And I think that is something that really sums uh, Ruth up, that she didn't see what she was doing as so difficult that she couldn't do it, that things didn't stop her. She had that way of seeing things, that making do with what was and making it fun, uh, making it enjoyable and making it something uh, that was a blessing to her and therefore to everyone around uh, her. As uh, her daughter wrote in the obituary, Ruth had a long and fulfilling life and she touched so many people. Ruth's life, kind and gentle, loving and forgiving, a good listener. As we come to this time of sharing, I want to encourage you to remember the stories by writing them down and sharing them with one another or staying and sharing uh, at the fellowship time after the church, after the service today. But as we share together, as we uh, sing together, as we remember Ruth, uh, may we in her honor and memory uh, live as she did with joy and with love. Will you join me now in singing, Here I Am, Lord?
indeed, Ruth was willing to go where God led her and her belief that the church should be open to all people, um, whether for whatever reason that people had been excluded, Ruth spent her life and her love in welcoming, inviting, listening, hearing people into life. And so I invite you uh, to join with me now uh, in the spirit of prayer. God of us all, your love never ends. When all else fails, you still are God. We pray to you for one another in our need and for all anywhere who mourn with us this day. To those who doubt, give light. To those who are weak, strength. To all who have sinned, mercy. To all who sorrow, your peace. Keep true in us the love with which we hold one another. Eternal God, you have shared with us Ruth's life, and before she was ours, she is yours. For all that Ruth has given us to make us what we are, for that of her which lives and grows in each one of us, and for her life that in your love will never end, we give you thanks. As now we offer Ruth back into your arms, comfort us in our loneliness, strengthen us in our weakness, and give us courage to face the future unafraid. Draw those of us who remain in this life closer to one another, make us faithful to serve one another, and give us to know that peace and joy which is eternal life. God of love, we thank you for all with which you have blessed us, even to this day. For the gift of joy in days of health and strength, and for the gifts of your abiding presence and promise in days of pain and grief. We praise you for home, for family and friends, and for our place in your heart. And we thank you for Jesus, who knew our griefs who died our death and rose for our sake, and who lives and prays for us, and who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Ruth indeed loved living on Peaks Island, uh, but there came a time when she couldn't stay there anymore. And yet in classic Ruth fashion, even though it saddened her to leave, she felt fortunate uh, that she got to move to Park Danforth in Portland, where she found out that her lifelong best friend lived. They'd been friends since they were six years old. It was great for them to be together again and to spend time with other friends from school who also uh, lived there. Now, we mentioned that Ruth did like to play and she was actually, um, a killer bingo player. <laughs> and one of the things that she loved about playing bingo is she got these prizes that she would then give to other people. 
Um, but when you play bingo a lot and you are a winner a lot, you get a lot of prizes. And so the family has brought some bingo prizes to share with you today. Uh, and they're going to be out on a table over in that direction. Please take one home with you to remember Ruth uh, and to remind you of her love, uh, her sense of humor, and her ability uh, to find the blessing in every situation. Now, Becky shared with me that recently Ruth had said, when I die, I don't want people to be sad. I had a wonderful life. I did everything I wanted to do. And so in the spirit of celebrating Ruth, and her life so well lived, the choir will inspire us uh, with a song to bring down the house. <laughs> As the choir returns um, to their seats, I'm going to just give a few words of direction. Amen. That was so powerful. Thank you. Um, the reception is going to be in this very space. Uh, so the family is going to sort of head this direction. And I encourage you to head that direction and greet them while um, the Hope Gateway folks transform the space into a reception. Please don't go anywhere. I heard there's lots of food and they want you to eat it. So please stay. 
Thank you all for being here today. Uh, as we go forth into the world, we go with the love and grace of God with us. That as we go forth, may those to whom love is a stranger might find in us generous friends. Go forth now, because God has created us, redeems us, loves us, and sustains us. Amen.